What's up, you guys? So we are going to talk about God's perspective on dating and relationships tonight, and I'm excited about it. Um, as we were kind of talking about how to do this, we thought it would be fun. So we're going to do like some teaching, a little bit of sharing our story, because if you don't know, we're married. Um, <laughs> hey, there's some new faces. They might not know. Um, but we're married, so share a little bit of our story. And then at the end, we're going to answer your questions that you guys sent in from last week and this week over social media and stuff. And so we're going to like kind of do all of those throughout our our time this evening. And hopefully it'll be helpful, informative. You'll take away something uh, to think about, something that'll challenge you uh, tonight. So I'm sure you guys have heard many different ideas um, from Christians concerning dating. If you have been following Jesus for any amount of time, let's talk about a day, maybe an hour, and you are your age, you've probably heard something from Christians about dating. So we jump into talking about a, um, doing a talk on dating and relationships. It's really, really important to note the Bible doesn't address dating. So a lot of times in this perspective series, we're like, here's the topic, here's the key verse, and then we like exposit the scripture. So here's the key verse on dating in the Bible. There's not one. There's not one. Nowhere are you going to find like, thou shall not blah, blah, blah when you date. Like, it's not in there. Um, it's not in there. That scripture doesn't exist. And it doesn't exist because ancient Near Eastern culture, say Bible times. Bible times. Bible times, right? Um, they went about romantic and marriage relationships really differently, really differently than we do. Often marriages were arranged um, or they took place after a betrothal period. And so they didn't go about relationships like we do. We do it quite different. Um, so this can leave us with tons and tons and tons of questions when it comes to dating and relationships. And while we don't have scripture that explicitly talks about dating, we do have quite a bit to go by as far as how we should relate to the opposite sex and God's intention for relationships. So we are going to talk about that tonight. You're just not going to find a verse that's like, when you date, do such and such. Not there. Um, so when we talk about um, dating and relationships, the first thing is always first, even when dating as a Christian, right? So as a Christian, our first priority in every situation, every single situation should be God. Our priority in every situation should be God. So what should our priority be in dating? God. God, you get it, yeah. Um, so there's an article about Christian dating from desiringgod.org, which is a cool website. And I really loved how they shared this idea. They said, the first rule in dating is the first rule in all of life. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's Mark 12:30. You will not truly love anyone else if you do not love God first and most. And no one else will truly love you if they do not love God more than they love you. If our heart is not there, if our soul is not already saved through faith, if our mind is, not dis if our mind is distracted and focused on other lesser things, if our best strength is being spent on the things of this world, jobs, sports, shopping, entertainment, relationships, and not on God, we will simply not date well. So if the first thing isn't first, and we're talking about dating as a Christian, we're not going to date well if we're not loving God well. God's got to be first, even, even in dating. Matthew 6.33 says this. It says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so this is really important because a lot of times we start dating somebody and we get really infatuated. Like, girls, you know what I'm talking about. We've had the friend, and, like, she gets into the guy, and she's like, Roger, Roger, Roger. <laughs> Did you hear about Roger? And, and you're like, oh, you know, like, I'm going to go do this this weekend. She's like, well, you should invite Roger, right? Like, you get really infatuated. Um, hopefully none of y'all named Roger, if you are Guys sorry. Do it too. Guys do it too. But I'm going to pick on <laughs> girls because, like, check it, I'm a girl. So we get infatuated or even obsessed with a person, and that means we end up distancing ourselves from our other relationships when we do that, when we get um, infatuated. And we can even do this with the Lord. So if we're in a place and we're dating and we've stopped seeking God first, we've gotten our priorities mixed up and kind of out of order. And if we want to have a healthy, godly dating relationship with somebody, we've got to keep God first. We've got to keep him in first place. 
And this means like both parties. So this doesn't mean like I just keep God first and hope, hope he's doing for the best. Right? It's like he's got to keep God first too. Like we both got to keep God first for this thing to work and be the healthiest, best that it could be. Um, so just as we're deliberate in our own relationship with the Lord, we need to make sure that somebody we're dating has a relationship with the Lord as well. And what I don't mean by this is like you see somebody fine picking on ladies, right? And you're like, mm, he's fine. Do you love Jesus? Like, what's he going to say if he likes you? Yeah. yeah. Are you a Christian? Sure. Whatever you want to hear, just go out with me, right? Like, so I don't mean like just being like, yo, you a Christian, right? But um, like really looking at their relationship with the Lord, um, really seeing if they, like we like to say, love Jesus more than normal. Like, do you see evidence of godliness in their life? Do they pray? Do they read the Bible? Do you see them actively serving the Lord? Um, And if not, is that really somebody you want to be spending copious amounts of time with? Because if you spend a lot of time with someone, this can apply to dating or friends or whatever. If you spend a lot of time with someone, they're going to influence you. No matter how good your intentions are, they're also going to influence you. And so you need to guard your heart and your influences in dating just like you would in like media like Kimber talked about or in in other areas where we can struggle. We want to guard our heart. Um, And so we need to make sure someone we're dating also has a relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, any relationship you enter into at you guys' age, you're young adults, like that could lead to like marriage, that could lead to serious relationship. And um, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15 tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Um, and so we're not going to want to like put a whole lot of time into a relationship that like isn't ultimately going to have a future. Like if you're serious about pursuing Jesus and they're not, like what's the end outcome of that? Not a great healthy relationship, right? And so we want to keep that in mind. So we're considering, um, yeah, who to date. And so a little bit of our story what made this is a question he gets to answer it uh what made you notice and become attracted to your wife (laughs) so those of you guys that don't don't know jack and i's story we met we met in college we met in chi alpha really um and we're involved in chi alpha students uh so i first i first met met jackie in a context like this one you know going to uh, going to Calpha meetings, those kind of things. Um, I was a sophomore. She was a freshman. Um, yeah, w- was not looking to date when we first met. But, I mean, I definitely noticed some godly qualities in her. Um, like, you know, beyond, beyond physical attraction, I noticed, hey, there's some, some godly, spiritual good stuff uh, in this girl. And so some of the things I noticed was her faithfulness to the Lord. Right? She, she would have a daily time in God's Word and journaling, prayer time, daily devotional time, uh, every single morning. Um, and she would have it in, we had a Starbucks on campus a lot, like we've got the bookstore Starbucks here. Ours was in the library. Uh, and she would be in there every single morning. And I would notice, walking to class, man, this girl in there with her Bible open and she's journaling, right? She, she, she would write out her prayers that way. And guys, man, I, I came to Christ in high school, really got serious about Jesus in high school, did the youth group culture thing. You guys did youth group. Uh, and so I knew a lot of people, there were Christians that talked about having a quiet time, but no one, most people weren't doing that every single day, right? Uh, there's a lot, lot, lot of hypocrisy. Man, I saw this girl day after day. I mean, she was there faithful, being with Jesus. Uh, and so I noticed that. I'm like, hey, there's something to this girl, right? I mean, she, she's really going after the Lord. I mean, she really, really does love Jesus. You can see it in the way she talked about the Lord. You can see it in worship. I and mean, she, she was a worshiper, a musician, loved worshiping the Lord. Uh, so those are the things that made it more than just, hey, she's physically attractive, but to, wow, this girl is really something special. And that, that really did draw, draw me to her, for sure. Yeah, and so like with him, um, so the first time I saw him, he doesn't remember this, but I was um, arriving at, we had like an all-campus worship event. So we like all the campus ministries on campus came together and we had like a night of worship. So I was there and I, I saw this guy like walking across the courtyard where our dorms were and he had his like Ross Geller hair, um, you know, flipped up because, oh y'all, that's like what it was. And he's in his sandals and he's walking across and this was like joking. I thought he was hot, right? So I was like by myself at the moment and I was praying. I was like, Lord, I want that one. 
and God has a sense of humor because the man below was like, okay. Um, you know, but, but like, I think, so I noticed him. I noticed he was attractive. But then when I started to come to Kayatha, I noticed like, hey, that's like the hot guy from the worship night. Um, but then he's like up front worshiping. And, and he's like really going after God. And he's like talking to me about how he meets his friends every week for prayer. And they really pray over our campus because they're burdened that there's so many lost people there. And so many people that are, that are just like away from God and don't know anything about him. And he's talking to me about like, he's really praying about which church he should be serving at. Because like different friends have asked him to come serve at like their youth groups that they, that they youth pastor. And, and just different things where I'm like, this is not what you guys normally talk, talk to me about. Um, but I like it, right? And, and it was just like this, this godliness that was like beyond the outside, like there's content on the inside. And I, can, I can see that this guy um, really cares about the Lord. He's really trying to like actually live for God. Um, and that was really, really cool, really attractive. Because similarly, um, in high school, like after I came to Christ, I came to Christ in high school, but there were a lot of like guys that were like, yeah, baby, I'm a Christian. They were not. Like, I'm like, I don't know how they define Christian, but like that, they weren't trying to live for God. And they certainly weren't trying to help me live for God. Um, you know, but then this guy is like, really, he's like, would you like to come like serve with me at youth group? You know, he's not like, would you like to come Netflix and chill? Would you like to come serve with me at youth group? I was like, Netflix didn't exist yet. no, <laughs> no. There are other ways to get into trouble, though. Like, you know. I was contextualizing the story. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, I, anyway, that was attractive. It was, it was attractive to see his godliness. Um, so, kind of switching gears to like the next topic in our talk, and we're going to talk about Christian dating and sex and all of that. Um, so, while we don't have any verses that specifically talk about dating, we have many many, many verses that talk about God's intent for us uh, sexually and our sexual content. So these are timeless guidelines for us that we need to take into account for our lives and have strong convictions about before we get involved with someone who may want to influence our opinion on the subject. Hear that. We need to get with God and have our own convictions about this before we jump into a relationship and somebody else is like, well, you should feel this way about it. Well, you and Jesus figure out what boundaries you need to have, yeah. right? And then you you meet somebody you're attracted to, and you simply inform them of your boundaries, and they like are gonna do it, or like they're not respecting you, and you know they're not the best. God has better. Um, y'all laughing, but I'm I'm serious. I'm really serious. So First Corinthians. Oh, you have. I was a song. gonna say y'all deserve someone that's gonna respect your boundaries. Respect it when you say no. <laughs> Yeah. If they won't respect your boundaries, we forget about it. Yeah. And, and two, just in the topic we're into, this is just front of mind for me. Like, and th- there's not there's not shame here. There's not no. guilt here. Every single one of us has blown it, screwed up. This isn't to make you feel bad. I mean, we messed up. We screwed up too. And, and so this isn't to make you feel bad about, about past choices. But man, this is this is how, how can God inform going forward? Man, I'm making godly choices and, and doing right. So, so man, we're not, the stuff we're talking about, man, you're like, ah, oh, man, I screwed up in that area. Yes, all of us have, right? So there's no, no guilt here, no shame here. But we're going to talk about, man, God does have a viewpoint on this and we want to be, be real about it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's yeah. good. So 1 Corinthians 6.13, it says this, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true. So someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And so, simply put, a lot of times, I've heard it argued, like my pre-Jesus self, my like self that came to Christ, but then people are still trying to tell me how I can still get into trouble and love Jesus, right? I've heard it argued, God doesn't care what we do. Well, apparently, Scripture says He does. He, he cares what we do with our bodies. Um, so the biblical design for sex, sexual acts, anything that arouses us sexually, hear me, I'm not just talking about intercourse, because we really, really, really like to like try and find the loopholes, right? God's design for any of that sexual stuff, y'all got me, um, is like one dude and one lady in the context of marriage. That's what the Bible says. Okay, that's, that's what the Bible says. Um, and so that's like, again, not condemning 
people that have had sex outside of marriage, not condemning people who are same-sex attracted. Just when we're looking at Scripture and what God says, like, this is my intent and this is what I'm going to bless, that's what the Bible tells us. Um, Matthew 19, 4 through 6 says, Haven't you read the Scriptures? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female, and he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And then Hebrews 13, 4 says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Um, so when we're thinking about this, and we're thinking about it in the context of this talk, it's really helpful um, when we're like before marriage, really even after you're married, because like y'all, these like sexual temptation doesn't go away just because like you get married and say I do. Like the enemy wants to destroy your life, married or not. Um, but it's helpful to think about the fact that anybody you meet is probably somebody's spouse. Like someday, that's probably somebody's husband. That's probably somebody's wife. And since that's the case, we want to honor them and their possible future spouse by treating them honorably, right? Like we want to treat them with honor. We want to treat them with respect and dignity because, like, that's probably somebody's husband or that's probably somebody's wife. And, and like, so we honor people. Even if they're not married right now, like, that's, you know, who they're going to be. And so, like, we respect and honor them. Um, so once a man and a woman of God are married, they're welcome to be free and happy sexually with whatever the two of them are comfortable with doing, and that can be a lot of fun. So like, just kind of define, like, people are like, what's okay once you're married? I'm like, you and your spouse and God get together and pray, and you decide that, and you be free and happy, okay? But it's like between, like, dude and lady and God and nobody else, right? Um, so what the Bible discourages is sexual act acts outside of that context. So it's super different from what culture is about. Y'all know this. It's very different than what culture is about. Even different than what some who um, say that they're Christians will tell us, but it's how God through the Bible asks us to live. Um, in 2 Corinthians 2.22, it says this, and this is a really helpful verse about this. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Um, so this is saying that Christians should avoid any situation that tempts them to sin. Um, and really, that's kind of like when I think about like, like temptation and like what's okay or what's not okay, this is like the verse where, where I pull a lot of like what I talk about. And it's basically like, what are you walking towards? Right? If you're trying to make a choice or you're like, hey, should my boyfriend and I do this or should we not? The question is, what are you walking towards? Like, are you walking towards God and knowing him as, as best as you can and getting as close to him as you can? Or are you walking towards getting as close to sin as you can possibly get without technically doing it? Because it's like, if you're walking towards God, like if really your heart is, is Godward and you're walking towards God, you're going to be all right. But if you're walking to, towards sin and you're trying to get as close to sin as you possibly can get without stepping over the line, like your heart's already headed in the wrong direction. And so like you're going to you're probably going to end up sinning. Right. Because your heart's already turned away from the Lord. And so like the conviction and the stuff that the Holy Spirit brings, we're already kind of like. Like we're like, Shh, Holy Spirit, don't convict me. Right. And when we do that, our heart gets hard and it becomes easier to fall back into sin. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so be, I mean, so for uh, for the the dating couple, for and yeah, I mean, young adults spending time together, they need to be on guard against this. I mean, anything, certainly any any sexual activity, uh, again, not just not just intercourse, but any any and all sexual activity. I um, mean, that, that's something that God has in design for for a married couple only. Uh, and so, and we talked about the yeah the Bible. Uh, the, the, the writers of the Bible would have no concept at all of how we do modern dating uh, here, here in the Western world, right? Yeah, that, that concept would be total, totally foreign to them. The idea that you could pick the person you wanted to date and someday marry, they'd be like, say what now? Right? My, my, my yeah. parents picked out my, my wife, right? They traded some land or some cattle, and now I've got, you know, I've got my wife here, and, 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 and they got that. And, um, and, and not, not just ancient times, man. There, there's cultures in the world now that they still do arrange marriages that way. So understand the way we do dating is 
is, is unique, um, but where we can get wisdom from Scripture uh, is, man, we need to define ourselves the way the Bible defines ourselves. Uh, and so for the, in the purpose of Scripture, if you are not married, there's only one other category. It's single, right? So you may not call yourself single. Oh, no, I got a boyfriend. I got a girlfriend. Well, in, in Bible terms, if you're not married, you're single. Even if you're engaged, you're single. So you would look at all the Bible verses that apply to a single person. Right? And a single person is not doing anything sexual. Right? They're, they're saving, that, saving that for the context of marriage. Uh, and so you're going to run from, flee from, and anything that's going to awaken that sexual desire in you, uh, anything that's going to come up, come up to those lines like she talked about. Man, I don't want to come up right to the line and hope I don't stumble over it. Man, I want to I make sure that line is way off in the distance and that I'm guarding my heart, walking in purity, uh, and, and, and really treating myself as a single person uh, until, until I am in that marriage context. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Do you, not belong, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Um, so this is telling us we want to honor God with our body. We want to honor them. You know, because, like, if you don't marry them, somebody else might. We don't want to put them in a position to be dishonored. And we want to honor God with our own bodies. Um, so when we're trying to do that, it's really, really helpful to have friends and family who will provide accountability for us so we don't slip into, into sin when temptation hits, right? Um, so some wise advice I heard that I really liked is this. To lean hard on people who know you best, love you most, and will tell you when you're wrong. Um, you need those friends you can trust to be real with you and tell you if you're getting off track. You need to invite those friends to proofread your dating life if you want to make sure you're going to have a healthy, good relationship. So it's like having a really good friend that you can trust and you're like, hey, I'm dating this person. And if you see me starting to like go in the wrong direction, would you, would you tell me? Yeah. And like, I get that that's uncomfortable, but it's like, if we're really trying to be godly and we're trying to do the thing right, man, those friends are a godsend. And they will tell you. We had friends like that. I had a roommate that, like, like I mean, she was, she was not trying to do too much, but like, there was a time that she was like, you guys are spending a lot of time together. And like, we, I miss seeing you. And like, I think you're just distracted. And it's like, we hadn't fallen into sin or anything at that point, but like, she was right. I was getting distracted. I was getting like fully infatuated, not spending um, time with like other community. And I was like, no, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that like she said something. Um, yeah, your friends are going to be able to see more clearly than you because you've got the heart goggles on, right? Whenever yeah. they walk into the room, the birds start singing, the lights get brighter, and you cannot see it clearly, right? You're too close to it. You need that friend that's going to be like, yeah. but man, every, when she comes around, man, you're not yourself. You're not acting right, man. Your heart for God's not what it was. Man, I see y'all crossing some lines. And, man, I love you enough to hold you accountable to it. Man, that's not right. Uh, and you need a friend like that, a real friend. A real friend that's not going to tell you everything's okay when it's not okay, right? A real friend that's going to uh, man, man, call you out on stuff. And, and you take the step, initiative to invite them into that. Say, hey, I, I want you to call me out. I want you to speak kindly, gently, in love, but, but tell me when, when, I, when I'm not doing right. Uh, man, we need those friends. We need those friends when we date. Yeah, and like another idea is like if you find yourself and you're like, okay, I'm dating and I'm starting to like really struggle with temptation, like maybe go on a double date with some other people that are gonna, so you're not gonna put yourself in a situation where like we're alone together, we're gonna mess up, like bring some other people or go hang out with a bunch of friends. You can still like be with your significant other, right? But like you can be creative and come up with ways that'll keep you from being tempted. Um, you know, it's like if, you, if you're hanging out and you're just like completely tempted and you really want to like stay godly, yo, you, don't, you can walk away. You can leave for a little bit, right? Like you can like, you know. And you can kill spiders. That's good. That's good. We like killing spiders. Um, so 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So check it. The Bible says, the Bible promises us that if we're tempted, 
there is no temptation that's going to be so much that we have to give in and we can't withstand it. It says God will provide a way out. The problem with us is like sometimes we're like starting to be tempted and we're like, well, I can't get away. So we just get closer to sin. And it's like every time we step closer, it's like maybe the way out was like a big garage door. Right. But we didn't take it. So next time it's like a regular door. We didn't take it. And then like we start to get closer and closer to sin. Then it's like a window. Right. And we still didn't take it. And then it's like it's real awkward. Like it would be so awkward to like leave right now because like. Things are about to happen right the second, and like, how's he gonna feel if I just walk away, right? And it might be like diving through like the, the, the pet door, right? But it's like, there's still a way out. You still could walk away. Yeah. Like you could be like halfway through some committing some sin and like be like, no. Like there's always a moment that we can walk away. We just really let ourselves get caught up and think like, I can't. Be, be you can, you can. Um, so it, the Bible's telling us that like, God will provide a way out. So if we want the way out, we just need to look for it and be willing to like take that step. And that takes faith. That takes courage and trust in the Lord, but, but we can do it. Um, so there was an article I read from that Desiring God when we quoted earlier, and they said this I thought was really, really helpful. It said, Today more than ever before, we're faced with a never-ending buffet of opinions and advice that has something to say about everything and let, yet lets us choose the answer we want. How far should we go physically before marriage? How soon should I start dating after a breakup? What things should I be looking for in a guy? What are girls looking for in a guy? Should couples live together before getting married? We won't have trouble finding an answer or dozens of answers to our questions in relationships. The scary reality is that we can find an answer somewhere to justify what we want to do, right or wrong, safe or unsafe, wise or unwise. The advice we choose might be from a book by a doctor, a random conversation with somebody at church, a blog post by a teenager, or just something we found on Pinterest. For many of us, if we're honest, it really doesn't matter who's offering advice as long as it confirms what we thought we wanted in the first place. Mm. And I feel like so much about like dating as a Christian, like this is so true about that. That it's like, if you want to sin, you want to justify it, I'm sure you can find some teaching out there that's going to tell you it's okay. But if you really, really want to live for God and honor him with your life and have healthy relationship, I encourage you to go to scripture and, and really look at scripture, read it for yourself and, and apply that to your life and to your relationships, because that's like what God tells us is going to lead to healthy relationships. And like, I really believe it works. I really believe when we do that, we like cut out just tons of, of ways for our, our lives to be hurt or broken or to put ourselves in a position to be hurt by somebody. Um, so when deciding how we're going to date as Christians, it's important we're honest with ourselves, and we don't make choices based on our own preferences, and we don't make choices based on our desires. We should honestly talk to God and seek to date in a way that's going to honor him and keep him as first priority in our lives. So we are going to talk a little bit about our story about boundaries and why. We'll say and why. Yeah, I mean, we share, we share our stories, not be like, hey, look at us, or y'all no. should do exactly like we did. Um, but just if any of our, what God, God did with us is helpful to you, and we want to know what you know, we've experienced a lot of these things. Um, but, but it's not like to put us up on a pedestal. Don't, don't hear that. Um, but, but this is, this is kind of how, how God led us. And, um, and it, on the issue of boundaries, again, again we said y'all deserve someone that's going to respect your boundaries. And you need to decide what those boundaries are before you date. When you're already dating, man, already making out in the car, that's too late to make up your boundary then, right? Have it already made up before you even start, start going out. Uh, decide, hey, this is what I'm, I'm going to do and not going to do. So before I even met Jackie, man, man, I, I had dated before, and I'd been already, there'd already been um, a sexual sin and lines crossed and things that man, I knew wasn't right. But I knew, man, okay, hey, I want to I do things right. And dating in college... Uh, I don't want to date just to date, first and foremost. I didn't want to date just to, just to mess around. Had my heart broken too many times. I was done with that. Like, whoever I date, I want to be someone I could really see myself marrying. And then with that, man, I, I want to save, save sex for marriage. Man, I, man, I, don't, I don't want to cross any lines sexually. 
uh, and I saved all of that for marriage. So that was my boundary, right? I was, I was waiting for anything sexual. I was, I was, I was saving that uh, for marriage, and I was looking for someone that really loved the Lord uh, because I wanted it to be someone that I could see myself marrying, and I wasn't just gonna kind of mess around and date. So I had, that as far as far as a boundary, physical, what I what I wouldn't do physically uh, with the person I was dating uh, is, is anything sexual. I was saving sex for marriage. That was my boundary. Jackie's boundary. Yes, so my boundary, uh, I'm going to explain a little bit first so that you get it in the right context, okay? Though Pastor Chuck totally spoiled this for you guys that are here than I use it. Um, so I didn't come to Christ till high school. I, before coming to Christ, was a notorious sinner, had um, just really like gotten to all kinds of sin, but sexual sin in particular, um, even had like a sexual assault in there and just was really, really broken also came to realize that like it does not take much this is like truly honest it does not take much to stir up like sexual desire in me um so when i came to christ i tried dating i tried kind of like having boundaries um gotta be truthful guys were not trying to respect any boundary that i put up anything i said they would just push it further um, so as I was kind of experiencing that, and I mean, you know, they were Christians. They were like, yeah, baby, I'm a Christian. Like, possibly not. But I was young and I didn't know yet to like, be like, cool, what's your quiet time like? How many people have you led to Christ? Can I have their name and number? You know, like, I mean, uh, but like by the time I met him, like, I was savage. Like, I was like, are you following Jesus? What is your quiet time like? What is the last book of the Bible you read? Like, I'm serious because I'm like, I'm not playing around. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to get hurt. I'm not trying to get raped. I'm, def I'm not trying to get like pushed on. Like I've got boundaries and I want to live for Jesus. And if you're not about that, like don't waste my time. Like that was where I was at when I came to college, just to be honest. And it came from a myriad of, of pain. Um, but so I had prayed about it and I really felt like I don't, I don't want to be kissing anybody until I get married. Not because I'm, I'm pure and perfect. Please hear this. But it's like the second like I start kissing, I do not want to stop. And like for me, that is like, that is it. And like, you think I'm kidding, but like we've been married for quite a while now. Is that true? It's true. It is true, <laughs> right? Like it's like he can like look at me and give me a peck on the lips, and like I'm just I'm telling you that's me. Yeah, I, like it doesn't take a lot. And so I was really aware of this, and like it's silly, but it's like I was aware of this, and I was like, man, Lord, I don't want to mess up. I don't want more pain in my heart. I don't, you know, like, want to end up in this bad situation with one more guy. Like, I don't want to do it. So I was like, I really would really prefer to, like, not kiss anybody else until my wedding day. So, like, let me tell you, that went over really well with all of the Christian guys. It didn't. Like, and they'd be like, oh, but you want to kiss me. <laughs> no, I said I didn't. Like, um, and I'm, I'm like, actually, really, now I don't because you're not respecting me. And, like, when you disrespect a woman, like... That's, that's a respect way, is attractive. That's a way to kill a mood right there, is, is disrespect. Um, but like, so, so I had experienced a lot of guys trying to like push the boundary. And when I, when I met Matt and we had like, we prayed for a really long time about dating. Um, but like, as we were like deciding like, okay, like we feel like we've prayed, we feel like the Lord has given us peace, we're gonna go ahead. Um, like I, I shared that with him and he didn't really like it. And he can talk, to, talk about that in a second, but like he respected it. And he didn't ever ask me to push it. And, and I think like from that, I really learned as far as boundaries go, that it's like, so like we wanna honor other people's boundaries. And if somebody has like a stricter boundary than you would have, and you're pushing them to violate that, like you're basically telling them to ignore their conscience, to ignore what the Holy Spirit is telling them in their life. And, and to like shut that down and like that's we don't want to be that person right we don't want to be that person we want to be the person that's like no if the Lord's convicted you like that like it doesn't hurt me it doesn't hurt me to pull back and I think it was really cool to see him um like embrace that and like honor it and I think also like just really cool stuff it's like we dated so we dated for my freshman year until I graduated undergrad um so like three and a half years we dated. And in that time, he did not ever try and like violate my boundary. He was super respectful. So like, now that we're married, we've been married 17 years. Um, 
do you think I trust him to like have self-control? Yeah, I super trust him to have self-control, which is like not what I was realizing would be like a fruit of that time. But like now that I'm on the other side of it, I realize it's a fruit of that time. It's like, man, if he could respect my boundaries and be self-controlled in that, then like we're on campus, we're around young adults, like we, we work the job we do, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not crazy, I'm not freaking out, I'm not jealous, because I'm like, I literally believe this man can have self-control, right? But it's like, if he had been pushing that boundary all the time, and if he had been wishy-washy, and he had always been like, hey, let's like go a little further, like, would I trust him? I don't know. I don't know, because like, he wouldn't have demonstrated self-control. But like, something about demonstrating that really, I think has been like, a huge blessing in our marriage in ways that I didn't foresee when I, when I said that. But yeah, so my boundary was like that we, I would not kiss until my wedding day. And he respected that, and he, he can share about it in a second. But I have to tell you, so on our wedding day, we had our first kiss on the lips. Um, and the first kiss was really awkward, and we clanked teeth because we were super, super excited. The second kiss was great. The second kiss was totally great. Yeah, when she first told me she didn't want to kiss until her wedding day, that was tough to hear because I like kissing. And I was like, I didn't want to call that. I was like, oh, man, oh, man, that's tough. And we, again, we've been praying, right? We didn't just jump into it. We've been praying and really felt like we'd heard from the Lord. And it's like, man, okay, well, I can respect that. I can honor that. And for the first, man, about two months, I did. I respected that. I'm not going to try to kiss her because I know she doesn't want that. I said she'd punch me in the face if I tried. And so I'm going to respect her. I did say that. Um, but then at some point, I'm like, God, if we're going to be dating for a while, you know, the wedding is off in the future somewhere, um, then I need, it, it's not enough for it just to be her conviction. God, would you make it my conviction too? When I use the word conviction, you guys know what I mean? Like that you've got just a resolute thing in your heart saying, man, I, this is my standard. This is my boundaries. I'm standing for this. So I say, God, would you make it my conviction as well? It wasn't my conviction going in, but God, it needs to be my conviction. And she made a great point that if there's two of you, whichever of you has the stronger boundary, you go with that one, not the weaker, right? You don't compromise to the weaker boundary. You rise to the occasion, the stronger boundary and show respect to the person that's like, hey, man, my boundary is here. Okay, man, I respect that. Um, and so I did. God, God really made it where I, I wanted to honor that way. And he made, a, he made it a conviction of me as well. And let me tell you, God so honored uh, and blessed that commitment to purity. And again, we don't share this to, to put us up on a pedestal or that we're some super holy, super Christians. No, it's the opposite, right? Like as she was sharing, we knew how quickly and easy, easily it was to slip into yeah. sexual sin. And so like, well, well, let's make the boundary something absurd by today's standards, right? Just to make sure that we don't, we don't fall into sin uh, and, and because purity is worth it. Uh, and holiness is worth it. And so you know, we, we, it's not because we're some super holy, super Christians. It's the opposite because we're sinners. And we knew, man, if we didn't have something in place, man, we were going to mess up and fall. Uh, and, and God so blessed our relationship because of that, man, blessed our communication. Uh, man, I felt like we had a healthier relationship than a lot of our peers, a lot of our friends. Because man, they, they, they would be making out all the time, but they're like two strangers because they never had a conversation with each other. It's only the physical. And you guys probably know people that their relationship, it's only the physical. They don't really know each other. We couldn't kiss. So all we had to do was talk. So we had lots of conversations, but we really, after three and a half years, man, I really knew her, right? She's my best friend. And, and, uh, and, and of course, the other side of marriage, man, God, God really does bless uh, the, you know, honor and marriage and honor and purity and those kind of things. So, so would I do it again, man? Uh, of course, hundred times. Uh, and, and I think it's worth it man, man, to take, to take uh, man, strong, a strong stance on your sexual purity and be like, man, here's my boundary, uh, and, the, and the right person's going to respect that, 100%. Yeah, and so... Our teeth really did clink together. When, when Chuck <laughs> said, you may kiss the bride, he, Chuck, Chuck officiated our wedding. Like, we were both so excited. We came out so fast, our front teeth clinked together. Was, but then, but then yeah, it was great after that. Yeah. It was shocking. <laughs> the second kiss, so good. So good. But I, I really do feel like the Lord, the Lord blessed it. And like, here's, here's the thing, y'all. It was strange. There were definitely friends that made fun of us. There were definitely, like, there was a girl from my high school, because like I said, like I had a notorious sinful past. Like, people knew about it, and people told stories about it. Like, I was like a sinner sinner. Um, and like, I was really ashamed of that. And so somebody had heard of me like that was like, hold up. Like, you're dating a guy. You're not even going to kiss him. And like, literally, like, mocked me to my face. Like, you know, but then in that moment, it's like, okay, you could get mad or you'd be like, yeah, because I was that person and Jesus Christ changed my life 
And I don't want to be that girl anymore because I really believe, really believe enough that like I'm trying to like keep this standard and I don't fall back into sin that God has better for me. And and like, I mean, I remember it was like a friend of a friend, like she's sitting there just laughing at me. And I was like, have you ever believed anything like that? And man, I got to share the gospel with her. And so it's like, it, it could have been a painful situation, but it's like God really like worked in it and gave us the strength to do it. Um, and then like created opportunities. That's not to say that like, if you guys end up dating somebody and you don't have the same boundary we had, we're not gonna be like, no. that's not how it is, okay? That's not how it is, so don't ever think that. Um, that's just what we needed for, for our relationship to know that we were gonna um, stay out of sin. Yeah. But yeah, and so we're gonna, kind of with that transition Move on to, questions. to a time of Q&A. And so these were the questions you guys submitted and now we're going to attempt to answer them. I think um, we're gonna get most of the questions, right? Most of the questions. If your question doesn't get answered, um, like we're here, we, you can meet with us, talk to us anytime. We're trying to answer most of them. Also, if it didn't have to do with dating and relationships, we're not going to answer that. We have a different Q and A uh, later in the year, and we could we could address it then. But this was just kind of like topically dating relationship questions. Um, so first one for you. Um, so when you're dating, do you commune with God that you're ready, or do you just go for it, keeping Him in the center, or is there a phase in your life where God will tell you, like tell you to date? Uh, I think you should involve God in every decision you make. Right? Especially a major decision, like, like who you're going to date and, and, and someday marry. So, um, so, so when you're dating, do you commune with God on that? So yes, 100%. Um, and I want, I want God's, God's direction and leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit on every major decision. Uh, if it's someone I'm going to mandate or potentially pursue to be, be a spouse, I'm going to pray and fast. Right? I'm going to seek the Lord. I want to make sure I hear from the Lord because I'm not trying to waste my time and get my heart broken over something stupid and foolish. Right? So I'm going to pray and seek the Lord fast. Yes, definitely uh, involve the Lord. Uh, I'd involve the Lord in my conversation with that person. Say, hey, I'm praying about this. Right? Maybe you're praying too, man. Let, let's really see if we can get God's heart and see what God, God desires. I mean, it, I'm talking to guys especially. Don't do this manipulatively. Like, man, I'm praying about dating your girl, and I feel like God's told me, no, don't do any of that. Right? God, 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 can speak, God can speak to her, too. That's wicked and manipulative to say, man, God told me you're the one. No, don't do that. Don't say that. Let, let her hear. Let her hear. But I will. But do involve God. And in that, your very first conversation is good. Let her know how much you love the Lord, how important Jesus is to you. And the right girl, you're just talking to the guys, the right girl, you're talking about your relationship with the Lord, she's going to find that incredibly attractive. Right? If she's turned off by that, she's not the one. And vice versa, right? Right, Girls, you're talking about your relationship with the Lord. Tell me how much you love Jesus. The right guy, that's going to be attractive. The wrong guy is like, I'm not going to waste my time because she's not going to, right? And you don't want that guy anyway. Um, so yes, involve, involve the Lord. Does that answer the question? I think so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so the second one said, explain how immoral sex causes soul ties. Um, and so this, one, this one's interesting because it's like definitely, like I've, I hear the phrase soul ties a lot um but it's not in the bible like it's kind of an idea that is like a man-made speculation um where we've kind of like super imposed on the scripture an attempt to explain certain human behaviors um so the idea with soul ties is that they're said to be connections from one person's soul to or into another um, but that concept, we don't find that in scripture. Um, in scripture, we do see where it talks about um, David and his friendship with Jonathan and, uh, in 1 Samuel 18. And it says, like, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So that's like the verse that that is pulled from. First of all, that's talking about a friendship. It's not talking about a relationship. It's definitely not talking about a sexual relationship. Um, and it, what it means in that is it's like expressing Jonathan's commitment to and deep friendship with David. Um, so it's, there's nothing like mystical or binding that's being like implied in, in that scripture. Um, the Bible also warns about entering into ungodly relationships. So we do have that advice. Um, in Proverbs 
1, 10 and 15, it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. So this passage and others like it caution us against the wrong type of friends, but um, they stop short of describing any kind of soul union. Okay, so we also have a clear warning against sexual sin in Scripture that we talked about in 1 Corinthians um, 6. And it's like if we went on from the verses we looked at earlier, it says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Um, so like in this, I think this is like another place where the soul tie idea comes out, but it's really, it's talking about their bodies are united. It doesn't say anything about the souls. Um, I think it is true that the Bible presents evil as addictive. So it's like if we do something evil, we do something sinful, um, that we want to continue to do that. It's really easy to get addicted to sin. But nowhere in the Bible does it speak of like fragmented souls or dividing um, somebody's soul. So I think that it's kind of like we we don't want people to partake of sin because it's easily to get like addicted to that. It's easily to get really hurt by that and have emotional repercussions by that. But there's not like a mystical thing that happens where you're like tied to the other person, if that makes sense. And you'll hear that, I feel like in Christian culture, that sometimes comes up, like, hey, don't have sexual activity with this person, it's going to create a soul tie with them. And again, they may, they may mean something different when they say that, but just understand that's not necessarily a scriptural uh, concept. And yeah, maybe it comes from this idea of, of the two become one flesh, right? And, and there's something, something that happens there physically that is important. And we do know, man, if you're, if you're physically active, sexually active with someone, uh, it does make when you break up, it hurts a lot more because you, you, your lives have really been knitted together physically, emotionally. Um, but the idea that your soul will be somehow tied to that, to that person forever, beyond just like the emotional hurt and stuff to work through, uh, man, it, it's not something scriptural. I mean, your soul, if you're a Christian, who's your soul belong to? Yeah, he's not going to share it with anybody that you've sinned with, right? Like, your soul belongs to God. Uh, it, can be, it can be redeemed, cleansed. Uh, it belongs to him, right? And, and someday you'll be united with the spouse physically. Y'all become one flesh. Y'all be united. Um, but, but, yeah, so when you, when you think about that, and maybe, again, people just mean it's going to make you really close in a way that's going to be really painful to, to split apart. But, but there's not a biblical concept of, of soul ties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you want me to read the next one? Sure. Uh, there's a question about being equally yoked. I think Jackie read that verse a little bit earlier, but what does equally yoked dating uh, that leads to marriage look like according to the word? Um, and there's a question, I guess, in with that, um, yeah, pe- people that, that get married after different amounts. Some people get married right away. Some people get married after three months, six months, four years, that kind of thing. So equally yoked, what does that mean? Yeah, so like we said before, we don't find like dating in the Bible, but at the same time, um, we don't want to date anyone that we wouldn't possibly marry, mostly because it's just not the best use of our time, and it can easily distract us from serving God and knowing Him more. Um, But I once had it explained to me by my youth pastor, like back when I first came to Christ, that I should be like chasing after Jesus. And if I look beside me and I see somebody that's chasing Jesus alongside me, that might be somebody that I could take interest in. But it's like if they're not trying to chase after Jesus or they're they're like kind of lagging behind, that's right to to catch the metaphor. That's probably not the person that's going to be like the best fit for me because they're not going to like help me to pursue Jesus. Um, So we talk about being equally yoked. We read that scripture a little bit ago um and to explain it a yoke is like a wooden bar that was put between two oxen so that they could um they could pull like pull a plow and so if one was weaker or shorter the larger one would literally like end up walking around the other one and it would go in circles so you would want to put the yoke on two oxen of similar size and strength so they could pull forward does this make sense so when it talks about like e- equally yoked, that's the picture. It's like this yoke is, is on two oxen, and you want them to be the same strength so that they can go forth, right? And, and so it's like the weaker one, if there was one weak and one really strong, it would just be, end up going in circles. And that's actually like a really great picture of our life when we're trying to be joined to somebody 
um, that that isn't trying to go for God and we're trying to go hard for God. Um, it's like we end up going in circles because that relationship's not healthy and it, it just gets us off track. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting is the scripture um, where this where it comes up, like often it's applied not just to like dating, but also applied to business relationships. I'm talking about Christians not entering business partnerships with unbelievers because they're going to have really different priorities. Like if you're a non-Christian and you're in business, you're like, I want to make all the money and et cetera. And like a Christian is probably going to have a little bit different priorities. Like they're like, I would like to make money, but maybe not at whatever cost, right? Um, so like this scripture doesn't necessarily only have to do with dating, but we do use it in the context of, of dating um, and marriage, obviously, because like that's one of the biggest relationship decisions we're going to make in our whole life. Right, like who you marry—that's a big deal because you're going to stay with them for like a really long time. Yeah, can I talk about the other part of the question? That how sure. long? How long should you date a person before you get married? Is generally that idea. Uh, should you date for a real long time? And some folks been dating 10, 15 years, right? And what, what are y'all even doing? Um, and some people, some people like you just heard they were dating, and then the next month they're they're married. Um, and so, what what is a good good rule of thumb again? The Bible didn't do dating the way we did it. And if, if you lived in Bible days, you wouldn't even see your spouse till the wedding night. Um, and, and so the, uh, the, the way we do it is different, but there are some good wisdom we can apply. So th this is the wisdom that I would apply. You want to date long enough uh, that you know that person well enough that you've seen them in a variety of different emotional situations, yeah. right? You've seen how they act when they're angry. Like when they're, when they're really angry, how do they act, right? When they are really sad, disappointed, how do they act? Right? Because when we start dating, we put our best foot forward, you get the very best version of me for those first few weeks, maybe even those first few months. But you can't fake, you can't fake who you are yeah. for five months, six months, a year. So, I mean, I recommend probably somewhere in that six-month to a year range uh, at least so you can see them in a variety of life situations. I mean, how do they act on their worst day? And can I handle that? Because if you get married, there's going to be a lot of those kind of days in your future. Um, and if they totally lose their cool, got no self-control, I mean, they, they, they lash out, they're angry, those kind of things like, okay, I want, to, I want to have dated them long enough that I've seen them in that situation, and I know how they act when they're fresher, when they're angry, when they're depressed. I've seen them in a variety of different emotional states. Does that make sense? Um, and sometimes you just can't know that just knowing someone for a few weeks because we don't show that right away, right? Um, so, so date, there's, there's not a, a magic one, but, but date, date long enough that, that you can see them in a variety of, of different places. But then also, if you're really pursuing marriage, and don't just drag that on forever for years and years and years, right? Like, I mean, go, go ahead and, and, and get married uh, because God, yeah, does, does honor marriage for sure. Yeah, so the next question is, what's the importance of wholeness and purity prior to dating? And then it adds to eliminate or decrease trauma bonding. Um, so first, like, I can address, like, the trauma bonding thing, and you can jump in. Um, so if we've been abused or we've been in trauma, it's really good to work through that with a good Christian counselor and um, to make sure we aren't taking anything with us from, like, our past into our current relationships or at least know that, that we're working on that right like it's it's not like if something happens and you've not fully walked through all of the counseling whatever you can't date but it's like it's good to be working on that and be aware of of those things um before we like bring it into a current relationship without knowing about it um and god doesn't desire for us to be in abusive relationships like he doesn't um, so if you are dating someone who's abusive, break up and leave. I, and I mean it. Dating is not married. Dating is not married. Once you're married, like you've made a covenant and you might like separate and suggest they go to counseling and try and like work through that. Um, but I'm like, I'm dead serious. If you're in an abusive house, get out. Like even if you married, take some separation, get some counseling, like work on it. And then maybe like try and come back together. But like, if you're just dating, like, walk away. You don't have to deal with that. That you really don't. You really don't. God's not in that. That's where that good friend comes in, because you may be too close to see it. But your good friend says, "Honey, this is abusive." Or, "Buddy, man, the way she's treating you—that's really not right. That crosses some lines. You maybe don't see it, but it's, it's really toxic. We need those good friends that can point that out." Yeah, and like, so somebody is being abusive. Really, like, they need to go work on them and become healthy before they're ever ready to be in a relationship with someone. 
and like stay in that relationship is just going to keep like signaling the opposite to them that like well I'm okay like I'm in a relationship and, and not see it but if you're like full stop you're abusive I'm hurt you need to work on that and then you like break it off they're gonna see that and and like it gives them it's it's not fun but it gives them the opportunity right to do something um but yeah and so like if you find that you're constantly attractive to abusive or unavailable people you probably want to process that with like a good a good christian counselor or like somebody that can be a mentor in your life and kind of like help you figure out what that is before you jump into another relationship Um, because dating relationships are going to go best when we are emotionally healthy and we've let god heal heal those past hurts that we have that's good all right there's also a question about is masturbation a sin now for this one man i want to be really careful not to call something a sin that the bible does not and so does the bible call masturbation a sin no but and there's a lot of things that go along with it that the Bible does say sin, right? So the Bible does say it's a sin uh, to lust in our heart, right? Or entertain lustful fantasies in our mind. Because those do go hand in hand often with masturbation, right? We, we say, man, that, that's not the, in the best use of your, your time and your energy uh, to be spent doing that. Uh, the, 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 the act itself maybe is not, is not a sin, and we don't ever want to say something to sin that the, the, the Word of God doesn't, but man, all the, the, the emotions and thoughts and fantasies that go along with it definitely are, and are not good for us, right? And so we want to flee from that, we want to limit that uh, in our life, right? And we can talk more on that another time, um, but, but yeah, so we want to be real careful on how we speak about things, um, and is it, is it wise, is it good for you? Uh, no, it's not, right? And those, those fantasies, man, can be very damaging to you in your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, we've entered the speed round. Yeah, speed um, round. <laughs> so is it normal for a Christian dating couple to live together before marriage? The word normal is what jumped out to me in this question. Unfortunately, sadly, it does seem like it's normal these days. It doesn't mean it's biblical, right? The, the, the God, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe man, God, God would have us live together with someone uh, before we're married. Again, we're wanting to honor man, sexual purity uh, but, but before, before that wedding day. Uh, and the, the best way we can do that is to live separately until we say I do. And then, yeah, of course, we're going to join our entire lives together. Um, but even though it's normal man, for people to shack up, people to live together, even live together for a long time before they get married, I don't believe, man, that's, that's God's design for us. I don't advise it. I don't recommend it. Um, and, and I, yeah, again, I'm going to recommend anything that's going to encourage uh, you guys to be able to walk in, in purity and keep free of sexual sin before the wedding day. Um, and so that not be living together. And so the argument of the world is, well, how can you really know somebody uh, if you're not, not living with them? And i got all kinds of close friends that I know very, very well that I, I don't live with. I don't all share a bed with, right? Um, have some good, long, deep conversations. Uh, honor, honor, respect them. Uh, that, that you don't have to, to live with someone uh, to, to, to know them well. That's a lie, lie of the enemy, a lie of this culture. Uh, but, it, but it's one we want to believe. It right? ah, sounds good to me. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, don't, don't live with someone before you're married. Right. Do I read the next one? Jackie, how do you know when God calls you to leave a relationship? How do you know, or you know, conversely, how do you know when to fight for a relationship and when to let one go? How do you know that? Yeah, so I think it goes back to, like, what are you walking towards? Like, is this relationship helping you pursue the Lord? Is this relationship healthy? Is it helping you to become a better you um, and helping them to become a better them? Or is it, like, pulling you away from God, causing distraction, and causing you to kind of go backwards from where you want to be with the Lord? And I think, um, like, especially when you're dating, if this relationship isn't helping you grow in the direction you want to grow, it's probably not not one you might address it you might be like hey especially if it was somebody that that was your original intent dating them you might be like fight for it a little bit and be like hey like we had said we wanted this we're not doing that like can we course correct um but like ultimately if if course correction doesn't work i would i would probably walk away from it like that's different when we're married once we're married we've made a covenant before god we're gonna try and fight for that but like literally until you stand face to face and say I do and make that covenant before God, you're not married and, and like you have the freedom to walk away if it's not what's best. Yeah, that's good. Uh, next question is what, were, what are some red flags or green flags when you're dating? Um, a concept of like a red, that's a red flag, man. I don't want to go near that. So here's, I have five. 
These are five qualities to look for uh, and, and someone that you're, you're going to date and someday marry. This is five, Matt's top five. five. Matt's top five qualities to look for. Man, you can write these down. You can say, Matt, text me these later. Uh, number one, do they love Jesus more than normal? Right, we've already said multiple times, a guy will say literally anything to date you. So don't just say, do you love Jesus? Yeah, baby, I love Jesus. Do they love Jesus more than normal? Like, are they really going hard for Jesus? Because that, that's who you want to date, right? You want to date that lady, date that man that's going, going really after Jesus. Uh, they love Jesus more than normal. Man, God's the center of their life. They're spending time with them. They're pursuing his will. Number two, are they servant-hearted? Are they servant-hearted? And if so, where are they serving? And they might say, yeah, baby, I'm serving hard right? I love to serve people. Okay, where? Where? Where are you serving people? Where are you serving? Where are you helping others? Where are you demonstrating uh, selflessness and a, servant, a servant's heart towards other people? Where are you serving? So that's what I'm looking for in someone I want to date. Are they servant-hearted or are they selfish? Right? Uh, are they serving anywhere? Are they giving of themselves? Are they, are they, are they mentoring? Are they volunteering somewhere? Uh, I, I want to look for that uh, in their life. Um, number three, are they mature? Are they mature, right? Man, you don't want to date somebody immature. You certainly don't want to marry somebody immature. Are they mature? Are they mature spiritually? Are they mature emotionally? Are they mature intellectually? Are they mature relationally? Man, or do they have some growing up to do, right? Are they still, still a little boy in some areas, still a little girl in some areas? They've got some growing up to do. They're not a bad person. They're just immature in these areas, and they're not ready to date yet, and I don't want to waste my time, right? So are they mature spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, relationally? You're looking for maturity. Man, someone you can have an adult relationship and an adult someday marriage with. Um, next is the fruit of the Holy Spirit full in their life, right? They really love Jesus more than normal, and they're really abiding in God. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is going to be full in their life. That's love. And joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Do you see these things in their life? And if you don't, right, then, 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 then yeah, maybe, maybe they're not really going hard after Jesus because we should see these kind of fruits in the life of a believer. We should see these things growing. Do they exhibit these things all the time? No, other human beings are going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect, but we should see this fruit in their life. We want to see this fruit uh, in their life. Fruit of the Holy Spirit, full in their life. When I see those kind of nine qualities in a person, I'm like, man, man, they're really, they're really going after Jesus. Uh, number five, do they have a job or at least uh, a purpose in life and a plan to pursue a job? Right? Most of y'all are students, so you, maybe you're a full-time student right now, but you're at least like on a track. Uh, do they have a job or do they have a plan, a purpose in life, a pursuit towards a job, towards some kind of career? Um, and Adam right? Adam in the Bible. We meet Adam in the very, very beginning of, of your Bible in the book of Genesis. And God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife, right? He gave him work to do. And I think that order is significant, right? So it's important for you to determine what do I want to do with my life? What is the purpose? What am I pursuing as a, as a career goal, job goal? Not that you have to have it all figured out, but you should be pursuing something Right before you're ready to, to date someone else and join y'all's futures together. How do you know if your visions for the future are compatible if you've got no vision for the future? So the, the way to sum up, the, I mean, don't, don't date a bum. Man, the guy that's just sitting on the couch, doesn't have any plan for his life, doesn't have a job, don't waste your time there. Right, man, you want someone that has a, has a plan for future, a purpose. And again, it's a maturity thing. It's not that they're a bad person. They're just not ready, not ready to date yet. Certainly not ready to be a spouse yet. Do they have a job or, or a purpose, a plan, a pursuit of a job? Uh, Jackie, next question. What should you do if your partner's physically or emotionally abusive to you? Um, so you should walk away. I think we kind of touched that before, but, but you should walk away. And I mean, if they're, if they're like physically hurting and threatening you, I report it so they couldn't do it to somebody else. Um, but yeah, we don't have to stand that. We don't have to stand that. God intends for us to be healthy and whole and not to be in a position where like somebody's just going to hurt us. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, Matt, should the person you date be affiliated with the same denomination as you? Okay, they're a Christian, but do they have to be like the exact same flavor Christian as I am? No, but not necessarily, right? They, they don't need to be uh, necessarily the same denomination, but these are important conversations to have because if you guys do end up marrying, who's compromising? Right? We're going to go to your church, you're going to go to my church, and can, can I handle that? Right? Is that, is that okay? If it's me that has to do the compromising, 
Uh, am I okay with that? So these, these are conversations to have, things to understand. Uh, no, we don't necessarily have to be the exact same denomination, but where those den denominational differences are, we should talk about them. And are these significant? Are any of these deal breakers? We want to have those conversations ahead of the wedding day, Say and I do, certainly before we bring kids into the picture, making those decisions as a family. Say, hey, man, obviously we're both believers. We agree on way more than we disagree, uh, but, but can we compromise on some of these things? What, what might that compromise uh, look like? Um, yeah, I hope, hope that's helpful. Yeah, um, so we'll do two more, two more, okay? Um, so is it wise to overcome, or to date somebody who hasn't overcome their sexual sin struggles or addictions, or to date if you've not overcome your own? So is it, is it wise to date someone who has, has not overcome their sexual sin struggles uh, or addictions? So again, every single one of us are, are going to sin because we're human beings, we're not perfect. Um, but, but thinking about like major sin struggles uh, and addictions, um, and we should see in their life evidence that they are actively overcoming sin, right? They're not, they're not in a constant bondage of sin. First uh, John tells us as Christians we should not continue to sin, right? Will we sin sometimes? Yes. And God's faithful and just to forgive us when we confess that to him. But we shouldn't be in lifestyle sin, habitual sin, uh, addiction type sin where, where it like, has a controlling uh, thing in our life. And, and so if you notice that in someone, yeah, they're probably not ready to date you. Um, and they, they need to deal with that, get that right with God uh, first. And again, same, same for yourself. If you know there's a major sin struggle and you, you've not gotten victory there, uh, man, get that worked out first with the Lord before you jump into a relationship. Because it's only going to make it more difficult to deal with that in a romantic relationship, easier to deal with that in your singleness uh, with the Lord. Again, major sin struggles. Man, you're, the person you date is going to sin against you. Your spouse someday is going to sin against you. And forgiveness is so important there. Uh, but we're talking about uh, major ongoing sin struggles, addictions, uh, things that you don't see any evidence that, that they're trying to get the victory ever. Now, now they, they're, they're working on it. They've got someone holding them accountable. You're seeing progress happen. Well, that's a different conversation, right? Yeah. And then um, I really want to ask him this one. This will be our last one. Uh, do you recommend dating in college? I feel like I'd be a hypocrite to say no to that one, right? Um, no, I know exactly what well, we talked about this earlier. Uh, <laughs> at no point in the rest of your life are you going to be surrounded with this, by this many young people uh, that, that possibly have your, your same heart, heart for the Lord and, uh, and, and kind of where you're at, right? And so it, the question would be like, is it, is it a good idea to go fishing in the ocean Versus like in my bathtub. Yeah, like, like you're going to notice people in college, man, more so than you take a job in rural Wyoming somewhere, right? And there's only other, like one other guy, one other girl in the whole, the whole town. Um, at the same time, don't feel forced to date in college. Man, you look around and God says, no, it's none of these. Okay, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. People, people, meet, people meet, their, meet their spouse, man, in their, in their, in their mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s, mid-30s. Uh, on up, and then God, God can do whatever He wants to. You want to obey Him, right? So it, it is a good idea. Yeah, you're, you're probably never going to be around this many, this many uh, available young people for the rest of your life. But at the same time, we want to listen to God's voice uh, first and foremost. Yeah. Was that the right answer? It was. The right okay, answer. good. <laughs> I like it. I like it because there was like another question that we didn't maybe we didn't say because it was a joke question. But it's like, yeah, if you get yourself in love with the Lord, growing in the Lord in a healthy place, and then like look around college and you find other eligible people that are loving the Lord and pursuing the Lord and in a healthy place, that's a really, really good place to, to find somebody, right? Um, and to find somebody that maybe the Lord will have you spend your life with, but you want to pray about it and you want to submit it to God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well thank you guys for submitting those questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.